Welcome to Mel Hummer Podcast, episode 108. I am Mel, and I'm joined, I mean, I'm kind of joined, joined over the internet by Mr. Stephen Hill. How are you? How are you doing? You all right? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Um, full transparency before we get on with this. Um, we did actually record uh, another whole podcast yesterday, but so much happened in the metal industry um, in the kind of 12 hours since then. <laughs> That we just thought, fuck it, we'll do another one and go with all the other stuff that's happened as well. We're um, going to release that podcast in the sort of the twentieth anniversary box set. Yeah, uh, yeah. final reissue. When That'll we... definitely be worth the extra thirty quid. Oh, big time! On top of the nothing that you normally pay for our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, we we are we find ourselves in a very different world from uh, uh, the one that we last left you in when we did a proper podcast two weeks ago. Um, we did put out a kind of little bonus interview that I did with Fleur Janssen from Nightwish last week. So cheers for checking that out um, and cheers for being patient while we kind of worked out the best way to, to keep the podcast going. Um, L is off this week, hence Mr. Steve right here joining me from his lovely home in, where actually are you again? Uh, I'm in Overton, Hampshire. Over in Overton, Hampshire now where he's currently holed up waiting out this uh, current epidemic that we're all a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess that's I guess that's the, the main thing we're going to talk about today because it's had such a devastating impact on the on the music industry, um, never more so than today, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, in the meantime, the latest issue of Metal Hammer is still very much on sale. I know a lot of people have had questions about um, what's going on with Metal Hammer, uh, what the state of the mag is. Um, for all intents and purposes, it is very much business as usual. Obviously, there will be some knock-on effects of everything that's going on. We do expect that, and we're planning for that. Um, but safe to say, if you have ever thought about subscribing to Metal Hammer or picking up an issue while you happen to be out doing a shop, uh, now is very much the time. Um, so we very much appreciate your support, as always. Uh, it's tinyurl.com slash buyhammer to pick up the latest issues. Um, or if you want to check out a very exclusive uh, digital subs deal we've got going on at the moment, I think it's something like five pounds for the first few issues direct to your device. So you don't even need to go anywhere. Um, that's tinyurl.com slash hammer subs. Uh, so yeah, as I say, all support much appreciated, including watching this very podcast, which we are also filming for the first time. I don't know if we're going to put it up though. Um, yeah, well, we, I'm much happier about it being put up today. Now that I've actually going to put a, Steve wasn't having it yesterday. A picture on the back of the wall behind me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, because I've just moved to a new, well, I, knew, I moved house, so all my stuff's on the floor. And yesterday, Merlin was like, let's film this without in there. And there's like fucking bin bags and <laughs> just scrabble behind me. So I wasn't that keen. This has kind of been a godsend, mate. You give me 24 hours to like sort my shit out. So it's good. Exactly. Yeah. yeah thanks, Thank download. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically. No. Uh, yeah, there's loads going on. Um, and uh, we are filming this over the internet for the first time ever, which will be the case very much for the next few weeks. Elle will be back next week as usual. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to kind of feel all this process out as we go along. But we're here. We're making it happen. It's all going to be okay, friends. We're going to get through this. Um, so yesterday when we recorded this originally, we kind of talked about all the stuff that the coronavirus had already had an effect on in terms of the music industry. Um, since then... Uh, download is officially cancelled, which is kind of devastating for the for the metal industry and the rock industry. Um, it's without a shadow of a doubt the biggest rock festival in the UK. It's kind of like the 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 first thing we all look for in the calendar when we're looking ahead to the summer. 
Um, and I, I think, I, I guess realistically, once we knew Glastonbury wasn't happening, the writing was kind of on the wall for download because it happens a couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still sucks. It still sucks to see. And I guess we all just have to look forward to it bouncing back next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you say, it was absolutely inevitable. I think, like, as we spoke yesterday, one of the things we were saying was that Glastonbury, they basically start setting up now. So there was really no way around it. And, you know, for Glastonbury to end uh, end up not happening on its 50th anniversary is, you know, with the kind of acts that they've, they've booked is, is pretty... It's pretty, un- well, not even pretty unprecedented, completely unprecedented and unbelievable in a lot of ways. For download, um, yeah, like you say, for it, for it happening a couple of weeks beforehand, I guess there's just, there's no way they could have guaranteed that those bands definitely would have been there. I wondered if maybe they would have dropped it down to a, a day, you know, if they would have done it on a kind of skeletal basis you know maybe try to do a week, like a two-day weekend or you know just a, a one-off one-day thing that they used to do with monsters of rock but it it seems like even that is probably well is obviously not something they feel is feasible and then i guess that would lead to people going how do we get our money back from this and how mm-hmm. you know do we get a, a, a half refund or whatever but yeah it feels weird to think that download is not going to happen it kind of takes me back to those days when i was growing up in the 90s where you know, for a few years, we didn't have any sort of rock or metal representation in the festival market at all. You'd get maybe like a handful of bands playing the main stage at Reading, but they'd be sandwiched in between a lot of other, you know, kind of indie and, and dance acts. And I mean, now we're kind of, you're in, a, you're in a blessed position if you're growing up at the moment, going to festivals that you've got. Art Tangent and Slam Dunk and 2000 Trees and Bloodstock and Download and you know Damnation and loads of festivals that you can go to if you're if you're a fan of metal and it feels like a you know we've got a really brilliant thriving festival market in the UK and for the biggest one of them to not be happening this year is um, it's not just sad it's kind of it's it's worrying for because who knows what will happen in, in 2021? Who knows what the, the knock-on effect of this is going to be? I mean, you only have to look at what happened to Sonosphere cancelling one year to think, you know, it's not quite as simple as, oh, they'll come back in 2021, you know? I'm now kind of genuinely worried about what might happen to download. Mm. I mean, I, th- I think maybe... Yeah, so Sonosphere is an interesting one because it did just disappear and then kind of made a big comeback one year and then just disappeared again. But, um, I mean, obviously, that's a slightly different climate because it, it had another massive festival in, in Download right on its kind of... Well, it wasn't on Sonosphere's land. Sonosphere was on Download's land, but you know what I mean? There was two yeah. good competing festivals there. Um, I would like to think that there's no real danger of Download not happening next year um uh but um yeah i mean i guess if nothing else it just shows you how fragile everything is and how we really shouldn't take this stuff for granted um it's it feels crazy that there's a very good chance that we won't have any festivals this summer hopefully um something will be salvaged from the scene uh some of the later festivals due to take place in july and august maybe could still go ahead depending on when this um coronavirus thing levels out and stuff gets back to normal uh, I guess in Download and Glastonbury's case, they're just such big festivals, like you said, Steve. 
they have to start organizing so early on that they just can't afford to consider um you know kind of starting to set things up only for it all go to to shit at the last minute mm-hmm. they have to make a decision um we saw that 2000 trees just announced the a big bulk of their lineup and they've got of all the bands <laughs> to <laughs> kind of get confirmed for a headline set at a festival with everyone knowing full well there's a chance it won't happen afi headlining in the uk for the first time in over a decade is a devastating loss if that doesn't happen now yeah i mean yeah, that- I, I've never ever seen a lineup for a festival get announced and go, oh, oh, before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, it, it does. I mean, actually, like, I don't, overall, I'm not that mad keen on the 2000 Trees lineup this year. It's not the strongest, I don't think. But, like you quite rightly say, AFI headlining the main stage on a Saturday night at 2000 Trees would have been absolutely fucking glorious. Yeah. Glorious. And phenomenal. We were trying to work out when the last time they actually headlined a show in the uk was oh uh, i could tell you because i i uh i, I have already looked you this actually up. done your research today is that what you were yeah well i'm pretty sure it was on um this when was this? i think it was on crash love so around 2009 maybe um but it was a long freaking time ago i can tell you that we know i mean they obviously came over a couple of years back downloads and they did uh the the dates with deftones neither of which were really kind of triumphant knockout things yeah um they they did a the crash love tour playing academy venues in 2010 so it's literally been 10 years since afi have done a headline set over here which is disgusting but all the more reason to uh, cross our fingers and hopes that um 2000 trees can make it it's 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 uh, near the start of July, it would take place about two weeks after Glastonbury would have, but obviously it is a much smaller operation and would need much less time to start setting up. So they can probably afford to give us a couple of months to work out what's going what's gonna to happen there. Do you think we'll get any kind of bill cross-pollination? Because obviously all those bands that were planning on coming over for download or coming over for Glastonbury or whatever, they're still going to want to play a festival. Now, let's say that 2000 Trees does go ahead. I mean, I remember when, if people remember the Phoenix Festival in the 90s, I think it was 1998 that the Phoenix Festival announced its lineup and then it closed. And it meant that the Prodigy and New Order got put as kind of joint co-headliners uh, on a day at Reading. And even a couple of years ago, when, um, when Sonosphere in 2012, a couple of years ago, I mean, that's eight years ago, when Sonosphere bailed in 2012, like I remember Refused were playing and they ended up playing at Download. So a lot of bands kind of just flipped over. So I'm wondering if Bloodstock might benefit from a couple of bands who were going to be playing Download going, you know. Maybe, it just it totally depends on where their budget's at, doesn't it? Because all, all, yeah. all festivals will have budgets to go. I mean, in Bloodstock's case, there may now be a lot of people who are planning to go to something like Download who might now look at Bloodstock and think, okay, that mm. looks like it's still happening. I'm going to, I might pick a ticket up for that. So maybe that therefore would give them the impetus to book a couple more bands. But obviously, Bloodstock would have very carefully, and other festivals would have very carefully planned budgets around um the kind of ticket sales they would have got anyway so yeah it's a hard one it would be nice to see but um a lot of those festival bills later in the year are already kind of filled out now so not quite sure where they would go yeah um, yeah well i mean like i say the, the the you know the 
the prodigy ended up doing a co-headlining day with the beastie boys just about a month before back in the night so i don't know if, if they could grab a couple of the big ones you know glastonbury isn't happening taylor swift for arc tangent i don't think they've got a spare <laughs> head slot <laughs> that needs filling um yeah. so yeah i don't know it would be cool i mean particularly for some of the, the smaller bands uh who are due to be playing download on that because that like we said before that fourth stage at download looked really fucking good mm. and there's a lot of stuff on that bill that would look really good alongside you know the rest of the bloodstock bill so who knows i don't know but fingers crossed like if, if that were to happen that would be great I mean, I mean, the other thing to consider is that we just don't know what's going to happen with coronavirus and we don't know how long yeah, this is going to last. And I don't know if bands all now, I mean, if they've already booked it, it's one thing, but if a load of bands suddenly now start booking flights and stuff for July and August, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you started to plan your whole travel around a European tour in June and then you, lo- you, you lose money through not being able to do that now and then you kind of go to spend more money by trying to book it for a date that still might not happen like there's a lot of variables in this whole situation no one knows what the fuck's going to happen is the long and short of it yeah you that's know? me and, and you can apply that to pretty much the whole world in any industry yeah that's me making the assumption that in three weeks it will just be like okay let's try and go back to normal then which is probably not really what's going to happen oh yeah i'll be stunned if we're all back at work carrying on as normal in a month but um that doesn't mean that we won't be working and we won't be rolling on in our own little ways uh so yeah lots of stuff has happened as a result of this um it's crazy to think that it's only been two weeks since we were in the office and kind of life was the whole situation was starting to accelerate quite rapidly and we could kind of see the writing on the wall at that point but for all intents and purposes you know the tours weren't all cancelled the festivals were still going ahead and then the 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 rate at which it has escalated is is shocking um we know some festivals have managed to rearrange slam dunk is now going to take place in september which is an amazing result if they can pull that off um if they've if they've actually managed to shift the whole lineup along uh whatever that is four months that's an amazing result for them um so yeah we'll have to see what happens but the kind of side part of this i guess steve is that we've seen a lot of bands um kind of straight away taking some initiative and going out there and and trying out new things and reaching fans in a new way um we've seen obviously code orange do a very widely covered empty uh, venue gig which was really fascinatingly shot and edited and put together in a kind of you know a whole new experience really felt like a whole new medium in its own right mm. um, we've seen uh, obviously trivium and especially matt heafy kind of really utilizing things like twitch to put on loads of stuff to fans to connect with them um, we've seen bands putting out playlists every day um ben and prison t-shirts can now be used on animal crossing apparently that's a thing um so uh it's there's a lot of hope to be found in this i think in the way bands are kind of starting to utilize um the internet i guess yeah to make yeah sense I mean, of a bad situation another, another one i want to shout out actually because i mean you mentioned a few i think the code the code orange thing is amazing and um and that's actually getting put out as a DVD. So people are now buying that show, which is a crazy, like, a crazy show to, 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 wa- to watch that show and for it to pan around and see this band going mental, panning around to an empty venue is, is so weird. And I love watching that. I mean, the amount of energy they had on that show, you just think like, fucking hell, when they actually get an audience in front of them, they're going to be unstoppable. 
But um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Matt Heafy and Trivium. I mean, I tweeted about Code Orange and how forward thinking I thought the whole thing was in terms of the way they made it look, you know, like you mentioned, it, it looked really professional. It didn't look just like, you know, somebody filming off a, you know, off the sound desk with, with one camera. It was, it was like a proper live DVD, which is now what it is. Um, but yeah, Trivium have been doing that for a long time. Matt's great on, on Twitch and, um, and metal bands, I think it's always been something, you know, we're quite a, a physical scene. Like metal, metal yeah. fans like like to have the T-shirt and the vinyl, and you like to have the actual physical artifact in your hand. Yeah. And I think that's quite a, especially in sort of 2020. I think that's quite a unique and unusual way for music fans to behave. To be fair, I'm not sure you get that so much in pop and EDM and hip hop and then those other genres. It doesn't really seem to be people's pressing concern in the same way as yeah. getting the, you know, the special limited edition version of whatever. Um, and I think that's to our credit, but, um, but in this instance, I think it means that metal bands have sort of been left behind a little bit. When you look at the way that uh, a lot of those other acts, those more kind of modern bands from more modern genres treat social media and treat the internet and behave and you know the way in which they release their music and the way they tease their music they tend to be a bit better at it than metal bands do um so hopefully this will be a wake-up call and we can get the sort of both best of both worlds because you know i'm like you i'm can see behind you you've got like the black sabbath vinyl box set the injustice rule box set is that a motorhead box set as well like mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I should say our Justice for All is is currently unopened because my uh, record player broke a while back and I haven't replaced it yet for shame. Yeah, so I, I am currently one of those wankers who has vinyl and not a record player. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, mate, don't open it until you want it in mint condition. That's the other thing as well. Yeah, I don't. I want it when I play it. I want to be able to like go over it for the first time properly. I've got that. It sounds brilliant, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, and um, and I think hopefully you know, metal bands will learn to embrace that and, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to, to strike that happy medium between really, really supporting our bands. I think metal bands are pretty good at supporting bands in terms of merch and definitely physically still the best way to support a band. Like yeah. that is still I, the th best I think we're kind of almost talking about two different things, aren't we? We're talking about how to support a band as in directly contribute to their income and how bands can best reach yeah, people sure. and develop and kind yeah. of all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think maybe because of the, the former being so strong in metal, they kind of bands sometimes don't think so much about the latter. Mm. Um, so hopefully they will start thinking about it now. I mean, to give a shout out to something that I do um, away from metal hammer uh, and they're not a particularly metal band, but they're a great band, the band Nervous. Do you know this band? They're like a kind of UK emo-y pop punk band. Um, they're doing a virtual tour next week and they're going to be playing um, my other podcast, Right Act. They're going to be playing our Instagram page. Like, mm. as an action... And they're, they're doing... I think they're doing somebody else's Facebook page. They're doing some other magazine's um, Twitch channel and they're doing, like, four days on the trot. They're doing a live show, live, on different social media platforms, which is wicked. Like it's a really, really awesome idea. uniquely brilliant idea. And you know, they came to us and proposed it and we were just like, that's fucking excellent. Like, you know, it, and it benefits everyone. Hopefully more, they'll say nice things about us and it will expose them to more people. And it's just a chance for people who like that band to be able to watch them 
actually playing live sort of wherever. So yeah, man, there's a lot of creative stuff that's happening. And um, yeah, I think we, 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 we don't want to forget this. Oh, there's a really cool balance to be struck, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I feel confident that, that the scene will take this stuff forward. I think, God, once we work out what the hell is going to happen next, um, and you know, I don't want to take this stuff for granted, th- this current climate is the kind of thing we are seeing people losing jobs all over the country and make no bones about it, we will probably see bands breaking up because of this kind of thing because yeah. it's causing real havoc. Um, but I hope once we come out the other side of all that, and um, we will, <clears throat> the scene will be in a kind of, in the long run, a kind of stronger and more bonded and more connected and more forwards-minded state. Um, and I really do think that would be the case. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of great things happening in the in the heavy music scene, obviously we had we had a new Trivium track drop today. Um, I mean, we we've we've heard the album, but we can now kind of talk at length about this song in particular, uh, the title track of "What the Dead Men Say." Yeah. Um, what a song. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Like, Trivium are um, a band who I think have had, definitely had one of the most interesting careers in metal, kind of full stop. When you, what the, when you listen to their back catalogue, I don't know if you've ever sat down and listened to Embers to Inferno all the way through to, well, if you've got what the dead men say. If you sit down and give yourself a kind of eight-hour period to just listen to the entire Trivium back catalogue from front to back, it goes to so many places, and not all of them are great, not all of them are perfect, but when they get it right, they get it as, about as right as most bands can get it right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I have to say, Silence in the Snow was probably the one that I vibe with the least. Like, it's not really the type yeah, of... same. It's not really the type of metal that I am interested in and i don't think they got that blend of what they were trying to do right either but this new song is like when i hear that it's like oh that feels like what you were trying to do on that record but you're doing it properly it's a massive kind of defiant clenched fist booming head sounds modern as well it sounds like something that belongs right here now yeah silence in the snow was it's not that it sounded old. It sounded like they basically taken a very old-fashioned metal template and tried to kind of squeeze it through a modern trivium kind of prism. And for me, it didn't quite work. I know it produced some very successful songs. Um, uh, oh God, what's the track? Well, the title track and um, yes, the title track's big, but the, the oh, yeah. This I'm, is a good I'm thing not... about doing this on the computer is that I can research as I'm chatting. Um, until the world goes cold uh, yeah, is their uh, biggest ever song on Spotify. So like it's done some good things for them for sure. But um, I just don't think, I think after Shogun and In Waves, which was such just fantastic albums that really got them back into people's minds and hearts and everything. Mm. Um, they put out uh, Vengeance Falls, which was like, fine at best i think strife's an absolutely great song but the rest of it was not quite up to scratch and then they followed that with a silence in the snow and it was just like oh this just feels like a weird left turn rather than the dream album people were waiting for fast forward to um the sin in the sentence and it's like oh my god this is it this is the trivium we've been waiting for this is the album we've been wanting them to make for like 10 fucking years and now by the sounds of these first two singles and we can comfortably say the rest of the album mm-hmm. trust us very yeah. much lives up to that 
um, is kind of taking that core template and is actually kind of expanding it a bit and nurturing it and adding more layers, but in a way that feels modern and exciting and vibrant and fucking heavy. Yeah. So heavy. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, oh wait, how much can we talk about a new album? Much? Not, not well only because we'll do a few review on it at some point yeah. so broad strokes we can chat about it but yeah well I, I would say if you like the last Trivium album but you want something that's got I would say even more depth to it definitely this is this ne- this new Trivium record is I mean it's big words in it to sort of turn around and, and be like it might be their best album, but I, I, I'm not saying that, but what I will say is I think when you get nine albums into your career and you're releasing a record where you go, this sounds as good as anything that band have ever done. And they're a band who've done a fuckload, fuckload. If, if you just take that album, Ascendancy through to In Waves, I mean, all four of those records, Ascendancy, Crusade, Shogun and In Waves, all sound totally different from each other, mm. in, at least in... <laughs> In, in, in feel alone, mm. they're all completely different. Mm. Um, and I would say three of those records are fucking brilliant as well. Um, but yeah, but to, to get kind of nine albums in, there's not many metal bands that get nine albums deep and you hear that album and go, this may well be the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, we'll, we'll absolutely um, go in on that uh i mean but that album's out in a month isn't it so there's a good chance this is how we'll still be doing podcasts so maybe kind of clock in and <laughs> turn up with us on that one as well and we'll all talk about it mm. um but yeah very excited about what trivium are doing and um if you haven't heard out haven't heard that title track from the album what the dead men say uh go out and check it out because it's huge also even more so i mean that wasn't really a surprise because we you know the album's coming it was just kind of a pleasant thing to to have happen but Trent Reznor suddenly releasing two new Nine Inch Nail albums. That was somewhat unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Trent. We appreciate that. Cheers, I mean, Trent. I mean, there's kind of a little asterisk on this because it's, the, it's the, the, the latest in the ongoing kind of Ghost series. Yeah. So it's Ghosts 5 and 6. Uh, it's, two and a half, it's over two and a half hours worth of music. So, you know, if you've got a lot of time on your hands, which many of us do at the moment, then... Uh, you've got time to dissect these records. And I do think they're the sort of records that probably need to be listened to in their entirety. You can't pick one song out and just listen to it in isolation. I don't think you'll get anything from that uh, at all. So it's a bit of an undertaking and depending on how big a fan of Nine Inch Nails you are. And really, (laughs) I mean, you have to be a very specific fan of a very specific part of Nine Inch Nails to even really consider this a Nine Inch Nails record. I mean, it, obviously it is a Nine Inch Nails record in name, but if you played this to someone who just heard Head Like a Hole and Closer and went, what band do you think this is? I think you've been guessing a long time before they said Nine Inch Nails. Well, even, even most of their mainline studio albums, really. You know, there's plenty of this stuff going on on other records, but this is, I mean, we were talking about earlier and it's bas- it, it sounds like they basically, which again, they have... Trent has extensive experience in exactly this, but it sounds like two soundtracks to two movies that haven't been made. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think the second, so the second one's Locus, right? Mm. Yeah, I think of the two, I prefer that. And that one probably sounds more like Nine Inch Nails. Um, 
all the work of Trent Reznor, particularly the soundtrack work of Trent Reznor. I think it's really cool. Like he's got a lot of, you know, that kind of eerie discordant piano that he's like fucking brilliant at. Um, there's lots of uh, the kind of brass and woodwind sections that he sort of started using a la Black Star um, by David Bowie on um, on the last one, Bad Witch, which I, I think Bad Witch is, is great. And, um, you know, I, I like that sound. So I'm, I'm glad they've kind of kept using that kind of... Um, that sort of Lausch jazz thing that they had going on in the background a little bit. It does sound kind of, I think you said it sounds sci-fi esque, but not in a, yeah. a not in a, a kind of, if, yeah. If you, if you, if you say someone's done a kind of an, an electronic heavy album and you say it sounds sci-fi, people are probably expecting it to come out sounding like fucking fear factory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, like a synthwave album or something, yeah, yeah. but it, it's kind of that really minimalist dystopian. Um, I said earlier, listening to the second record more so, I felt like it's, I was kind of like walking around the Martian wasteland in the wake of some kind of post-apocalyptic war or something. It's mm. just really eerie and claustrophobic and kind of slightly off kilter and just odd. Um, Keeping you know, the- it, it really stirs stuff in you. Yeah, keeping the the David Bowie connection to it, uh, it remind if it was filmically, it reminds me of Moon, which was directed by Duncan Jones, who's David Bowie's son. Yeah, uh, have you seen that film with Sam Rockwell? I haven't. No, it's one of those that's been on my probably embarrassingly long list of highly recommended films I haven't seen. Yeah, it's really good. So yeah, it kind of sounds like it w- it could be scoring that film. Uh, as for the first one, which is Together, right? That's what it's called, isn't it? With what? With no, Ghost 5. Yeah, Ghost 5 and Ghost 6. Yeah, but the Ghost 5 is called Together, right? Oh, sorry. The Ghost 5 is called... Uh, da, 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 da. I'm sure I've got that right. Yeah, I think you have. Yeah, Together. Together and Locus. Together and Locus, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Together, I, that, that's a little bit more difficult to get wrap your head around. I think that's very, very, very ambient. Mm. And um, uh, it's got a little bit of Talk Talk on. I mean, I'm a massive, massive, massive fan of Talk Talk. They're like one of my absolute favourite things ever. Um, so I quite like that, that sort of thing. But again, I think you couldn't pick anything out of that in isolation at all, even mm. more so on that one, I think. It is very much a mood piece and it's very much just... Um, sort of sonic movements and tableaus rather than actual songs. If you're looking for songs, I don't think you're going to get much out of it, to be honest. Yeah, it's not. Um, this isn't going to be getting played in uh, like 5am in Slimelight anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it will. There's been, I've seen some weird shit get played in there, but I find it very unlikely. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one and one that I expect will be digested and dissect. I mean, this literally got put, it's a two and a half hour kind of um, instrumental uh, mm. like opus that um, Trent's put out about three hours ago and we're just kind of digesting it now. So I'm sure there'll be plenty more to say on it as the weeks progress. I'm sure Elle will have something to say on it when she's back as well. Loves a bit of that, does our Elle. Um, well, so we get, we'll do, we, always, we normally do an album of the week and I think we're kind of going to ping pong between a couple of um, albums this week just because there's a few things going on and we've been away for a couple of weeks and um, Steve wanted to talk about some stuff 
specifically. And I felt like we should talk about the new In This Moment album, for instance, because they're a big ass band. And uh, their new album, Mother, is coming out on Friday. Um, uh, so we're, we're, yeah, we'll do that first and then we'll get into something else um, that we're going to talk about as well. But yeah, so In This Moment, I don't know exactly how you feel about them, but for me, they're one of these bands that have they feel like they've become part of the furniture in metal like you see maria pop up doing all the press junkets every so often we always have her in metal hammer she's always great value she's a really interesting chat really interesting person um and then the albums kind of come and go and it's like yeah they're okay and it is what it is so i didn't really know what expectations i had of this record um but i wasn't quite expecting this because the whole album is really like steeped in these really strong evocative 80s vibes uh that are there right from the very first song um the atmosphere i think what i love most about this record is the production on it it sounds big and booming um it sounds really clear um very uh electronic heavy in places kind of slightly soft industrial touches which to be fair um, in this moment i've always had that kind of thing um you know they always had that kind of slightly schlocky goth thing going on underneath a lot of their stuff um a lot of these songs once again really wrap around maria's vocals uh, you know if you've heard with the, um with if you've heard in this moment uh you know what they're all about it's kind of like husky whispered scratchy sultry vocals they still sound really strong on this um the first song i put um it's called fly like an eagle and i put that it sounds like a genesis track in the chorus because it kind of builds into this big cheesy 80s crescendo that i really wasn't expecting but I kind of dig it. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then, yeah, the eighties kind of touch points don't stop there by any means. They've got a track on here called legacy, which is literally just a synthwave song that has Maria singing over it. Like it's as simple as that. It's like swords of electronica and synthy keyboards kind of campy and goth and eighties. Um, and yeah, the whole thing is just, uh, it sounds like something that could have come off a, a perturbator record. So that was really interesting. Um, there's loads of other things on here that are quite interesting as well. Like the, the title track mother is kind of like this um, chorusy uh, song. That's got a bit like fly like an eagle in kind of that big cheesy chorus part of it. But the rest of the song almost has this kind of outlaw pop power ballad vibe, like almost like how con- like outlaw country music has that certain thing about it. It's kind of got that in there as well, but it's, it's, it doesn't sound like a country song at all. So maybe don't hang on that too much but um yeah it's basically yeah outlaw pop power ballads and uh, maria's voice sounds massive on it um it's a really great tune um there's a song called born in flames which is super electronic-y uh sounds like something from the tron soundtrack almost that daft punk did a few years ago so that kind of like low level um like ebbing bleepy kind of vibe um yeah it's just there's loads of that kind of stuff on here and there is some metal stuff on there as well god is she is one of the tracks that stands out because it does go into that kind of chugging like dagger 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 kind of riffage that they they're quite well known for um but i was just fascinated by how steeped in the more kind of shiny 80s um kind of technical not technicolor kind of a luminous uh 80s feel that a lot of this album has going on about it and it, and it's something that they've always had there this, this isn't like a whole new thing for them but i just found it really interesting how much they've nurtured that um and given how great their live shows are i'm really fascinated to see 
how these songs will translate live because I feel like aesthetically a lot of what they do doesn't really match some of the histrionics that are going on on this album. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's out on it's out on Friday, and I would say if you haven't listened to it uh, in this moment before, this is a really good um, a really good uh, album to get going with them because I think it's it's just not quite what I was expecting from them, and it's made me slightly reevaluate how I feel about them, and I might maybe go check out more of their stuff than I was planning on. Uh, I haven't heard it because it didn't get sent to me, which might have been a sensible thing on their PRs part, to be honest. But um, uh, given how I sort of usually feel about them, um, I, I haven't not heard it, but I did listen to the four songs that are kind of available as we record on streaming services. Um, I can't really remember anything about them particularly, I have to say, but I don't want to judge the record on the basis of four songs because it's less than half the record, so I can't really say what the album is like. But if you're saying there's a kind of 80s vibe to it, I think that's quite a, quite a zeitgeisty thing to do, particularly in rock Yeah, music, it is. Um, which doesn't really surprise me with a band like In This Moment too. I, I almost forgot to mention as well, one, the, the, one of the really strange things that's on this album is um, I think not including um, uh, interlude tracks, it's about three songs in. Uh, they just drop a cover of We Will Rock You featuring Lizzie Hale and Taylor Momsen. Um, and it's one of the strangest things I've ever heard. I mean, in terms of the cover itself, it's kind of cool. Like they've tried to give it their own spin. Again, they bring in this kind of uh, kind of industrial, slightly schlocky goth um, vibe to it, which is good fun. But you can't really get around the fact that it's it's We Will Rock You by Queen. And it's yeah. just such an iconic and overheard song. It I just found it so strange that they dropped it, not even in the middle of the album, but like near the start of the album. And it just completely... But by that point in the record, you're kind of on this journey with them. And you're kind of like, oh, I really like what they're doing with this record. I like the soundscapes of it. And I like the feel of it. And then it just suddenly snaps you out of it by just dropping a Queen cover. It's so weird. Um, I don't understand why it's at this point in the record and it's not like a bonus track or whatever. I'm mm. sure they've done it like many modern metal bands do. They've covered a massive song because they know that it will get them streams on Spotify and that therefore might bring more people to their band. I've got no issue with bands doing that in the modern era at all. Um, but it's weird to drop We Will Rock You by Queen in the middle of a kind of 80s tinged kind of goth rock uh semi-industrial metal album yeah it kind of makes me sad that bands have to resort to covering songs like we will rock you i mean nobody needs to what you've just i i don't feel like i need to hear that i don't feel like anyone needs to hear that i don't feel like that no. needs to like really and i know what you're saying about oh well you know they'll get streams and blah blah blah, blah. but you've got to put your artistry ahead of stuff like that haven't you surely i would feel ashamed to cover we will rock you by queen because i just think well, that, that would sort of go that would be basically like going holding your hands up and going yeah i have run out of ideas sorry yeah i don't have any faith in music listeners but that's what's weird because you know speaking of someone who had no real interest who you know i have a lot of time for the band and a lot of time for maria as a, as a an interviewee and everything else like i don't i'm not invested in this band at all but there's stuff on here that has made me rethink my attitude towards them and think maybe i've taken them for granted when really i should have listened to them and and properly delved into what they're all about so to then drop a a, a, 
not just a Queen cover, but one of the most famous rock songs of all time, like a song that massively transcends music, you know. Um, it's just so strange. And, and I, it sounds like it would be a good song to like soundtrack a WrestleMania like highlights package or something. Mm. Um, but I, it just sounds like the kind of thing that sh- if it's like they've all got in a room and they've jammed out a really fun cover. I don't understand why it's like right in the middle of the album like this. It's a really weird placing, unless the, the order of the track list I got on my stream is slightly off, which might be the case. No, it's not because I checked it actually. I, like when you told me to go and list this record and you told me that song's on it, I went and looked at it on Apple Music and scrolled down to the bottom, assuming it was going to be the last track. And I was like, oh, it's not on this one. And then I noticed it was like track four. Yeah, very, uh, very, very, very odd. But um, yeah, so, so I think I think that I don't begrudge them doing the cover. I think it's a very weird decision to have it in the middle of the album like that. Um, but apart from that, I think yeah, I think it's an I think it's an interesting record. I uh, I feel like the interesting aspects of their sounds they've nurtured out and brought out. And yes, the '80s thing is very zeitgeisty at the moment. But at the same time, I think they've done it really well and it suits them. So. I'm interested to see how they uh, work that into their sound moving forwards, basically. Yeah. Um, All right, fair enough. I mean, I've not really heard it, so I could kind of be a sneering snob prick and uh, slag it off. I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> so let's move on. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about something <laughs> we both definitely like a lot. Uh, okay. The debut album by Irist, uh, yeah. out on Nuclear Blast, the excellent Nuclear Blast rec- records this Friday. Um, this is a fucking great band, isn't it? Oh, mate, yeah, really, really good. Um, they are at, from Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, like Mastodon. Although, actually, um, what is it? I think it's three fifths of the band are made up of. Um, they got uh, Argentina, Chile, Argentina. and Brazil represented. Yeah. So South American heritage, mm. and it's a really. Like when you put when you say Brazil and you say Atlanta, you probably think of Mastodon and Sepultura in kind of metal terms. And I actually think weirdly that's quite a good, at least starting point for what this record is because it's got all the big, like thick, heavy, um, booming, doomy, stonery stuff that Mastodon do really well. It's got that type of heaviness to it, but it's also scalpel sharp, white hot, scathingly so at some points in the same way as Sepultura would have been on, say, like Arise or Chaos AD era Sepultura. Like really legit heavy as fuck in two completely different ways. And they managed to kind of intertwine those two things together in, it's not, you know, when we were talking about Code Orange the other week, and oh my god, I've never heard this before, and it's so unique, and it's so da, 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 da. like you've heard, you've basically heard every flavour on this record because it's it's metal. But I don't know, they just intertwine those things in such a, a an unusual way that I was like, oh, I'm not really quite sure what this band are. They're just a really great metal band for anyone who likes heavy stuff. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely. Uh, um, it's kind of like if you if you happen to like any of these many, many flavors um, on here, you will find something. Well, what I'm basically saying is, if you like metal in any form, there's going to be something on this album that you're going to really like because yes. it's heavy, it's fast, it's urgent. 
Um, yeah, Mastodon Sepultura, definitely big reference points. And Gajira for me is the other really big one, mm-hmm. um, not least because the singer Rodrigo has this that real kind of same raw, throat, throaty raw that Joe DePlantier has. Yeah. Um, loads of extreme metal flourishes in there. Um, the drumming from Jason Belisha is, is phenomenal. Just so like, like urgent and relentless and like you just absolutely battering the shit out of that kit for like an hour straight he's got a kind of like modern dave lombardo feel to it you know there's a there's a song um track six on the record which i fucking love called insurrection and the last sort of 45 seconds of it he just it's, it's kind of it goes double time and then it goes double, double time to the point where it's nearly like brutal, like grindcore, like brutal truth yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. insect warfare fast. It goes fucking fast. And that's come off the back of this really big hulking, like big business style stoner riff. And you just don't usually hear those things put together. And you kind of think, well, I th- well, why? Do you know what I mean? Like why? Why has not? Why has no one thought about doing this before? It seems really obvious that you would take all the kind of best bits of metal, the kind of um, discordanty, morbid angel leads, the the kind of pace of thrash, the like the down tune kind of lumbering groove of that kind of stoner scene from you know about ten years ago, like Mastodon and Baroness and Kylesa and Torch and all those bands, and just kind of block it all together and try and make good songs out of it like the songs are fucking great this is the best i think it's the best debut of the year so far yeah absolutely and 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 also what i really like about it and it's something i can't quite put my finger on but again it's something that gajir always do so well is that it's so heavy and it's so tight and it's so um not clinical but it's like so taut and and closely bound together um but there's also this real like emotional pull under it all like it really drags you in and it really makes you feel something in your, in your core. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not just, you know, sometimes a lot of bands that do the kind of thing that Iris are doing, like kind of melding lots of styles and aping a lot of, you know, legendary bands. Like sometimes it sounds really good, but I find it, 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 it sounds a bit too, clinical? Uh, yeah, a bit too clinical, <laughs> um, too just kind of precise and too kind of, um, it's about the ingredients rather than actually making something of it. And this band really feel like they've made something of it that's all of their own. And I feel myself getting very drawn into it. Um, yeah. And I think the key word here is promising because this album is absolutely great. But I just think when the, now, there's enough in there to see that they're finding their own way as well. And when they start to kind of go further down that path and start to get even bolder and really like nudge the edges of their own sound i think that could be really really exciting yeah for, for sure i mean i think there's there was actually a band that came out a few years ago called um do you remember that band tooth grinder yes i do yeah and their, they, their debut album was really promising and it was sort of this mixture of like groove metal and a bit of new metal bounce and a bit of kind of that kind of like black and hardcore thing as well. And I was like, wow, what a really cool, interesting mix. And if they do that on the next album and they, they keep that shit together and, and write better songs, they're going to be fucking brilliant. And then what they did is just kind of, I feel like bands often will take an element away. There's a band from Italy I love as well called Destrange, who I know you've heard me bang on about a whole bunch of times. Yeah, I remember them. Absolutely maniac band who meld like James Addiction with 
tech metal, like Meshuggah with fucking Devin Townsend and System of a Down and Mr. Bungle. And it's, they're crazy. They were crazy. This album came out, I was like, this is absolutely brilliant. It's crazy. It's got all these things all sort of jammed in together. And if they write better songs like this, they'll be fucking unstoppable. And then when the next album came out, they just kind of took away a layer and went, oh, we'll write better songs if we make it easier to digest. Mm. Whereas these guys, it's actually fairly easy to digest already. You can see all the elements, but it doesn't feel like it's wildly like, wow, where did that blast beat come from? Like, where did that riff come from? Like, everything feels like they've got a hold on it already. And I really hope for album number two that they, they carry on trying to, you know, stir the pot of what they're doing, just, just write better songs. I don't want them to take anything away because I think everything that they do whether it be the groovy bits or the sort of death metal bits or the, the kind of stonery bits, they're really good at all of it. And they really connect and nail all the different parts that they do. And that's not easy, man. That's really, really difficult. They no, just the right if they, if they just write an album of better songs than this, they'll be, they'll be fucking brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Really exciting to see where they go. Um, uh, you know, obviously in the current climate, they're probably not going to get a lot of touring done, but once they, once they, once the world resumes to normal, can some big, brilliant uh, metal bands come and take these guys out? I'm looking at you, Trivium, because you're a uh, mastodon. Take this band out; they're fucking great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that's Iris. Order of the Mind out on Friday via Nuclear Blast. Out probably today, actually, when this podcast will finally go up. Um, so yeah, get into it. It's very good. Did you want to talk about Eagle? You talked about them briefly on the first run we did. Yeah, yeah, oh, I can do if you want. Yeah, I really, well I really like this Maniac record. Um, this is exactly what I was just talking about, about kind of too much stuff together. Like, I, I like it. I mean, you, you're not a fan, are you, of this? No, I, I, I'm not. For me, it cross, when, when someone's got clucking chickens and barring sheep on an album, for me personally, that's when it's crossing into wacky territory. Yeah, I can see that as a... Yeah, I can. Elle loves it. Elle Elle absolutely loves it. She is all over this this guy, this band, whatever. I think so. Igor with that's Igor with three R's uh, is a French solo artist who played it. I saw him download a few years ago. He's got the same manager as Perturbator, and I really like Perturbator. And I saw when the manager was like, "Go and watch Igor. It's great." And the, the live show really, really, really impressed me. And I was just like, "What is this weird mix of like baroque classical music?" opera death metal black metal drum and bass um poker music See, to be poker. fair you're making it sound badass <laughs> yeah well i mean i think when it gets it right i mean there's a song in it called nervous waltz which is the second song which has this like huge it starts like a kind of operatic you know really bombastic piece of operatic classical music and then goes into this mad blast beat with like guttural screaming over it. And then it ends with this sort of drum and bass passage. And they're all very separate from each other, but they all kind of weave into it. They all kind of, it's not like what we were saying with Iris or what we were saying a few weeks ago with Code Orange, where everything feels very concise and everything kind of complements one another. It is very definitely like, here's the black metal part, then yeah. here's the opera part, then here's the sort of dance part. And you never know what's about to happen. Like, and often it's really exciting. When he gets it right, I think it's very exciting. In fact, when it doesn't quite work, it's a bit of a mess. 
So I don't think this album is great. I think it's really interesting. And I'll always, always, always praise a band for being different. And this is yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Definitely different. I would rather I would rather listen to this sort of not hit the bullseye all the time than I would listen to, you know, some band just kind of tread through the same old tropes of heavy metal that have been existing for the last sort of 50 years or whatever. So I like the fact that it's different and I think it is, it is genuinely different. Um, But that's fair. Not all of it works, but I think when it does work, it's definitely, I mean, it's an hour long is again, it's some undertaking because after after sort of 20 minutes of it you just think like fucking hell mate what else mm. what else have you got yeah and it's hard, it is hard work but there's some there's some really good songs on it and there's some really good ideas on it it's a bit of an ideas record more than a good record i think that's fair well if you fancy a challenge that is out uh, right now as well as you hear this podcast um let's take some reader questions facebook.com slash Hammer readers i should say as well obviously i know there's a lot of us that are stuck at home at the moment working from home some not able to work at the moment and um, we're all looking for good stuff to do and reasons to all hang out and be more connected with each other we're absolutely going to be doing that on the reader facebook page so do um if you're not already part of the community there do come along to facebook.com slash metal hammer readers and um, we're going to be doing loads of stuff in the coming weeks from watch alongs to i think we might be setting up a mario kart tournament soon if all goes to plan um so yeah we're going to be doing lots of fun shit there uh, so do come join in um ross mcleod says when have you heard a lead-off single track or sorry lead-off single or track and got really excited or bought an album on the strength of one song only for the rest of the album to be utter shit now i'm going to be honest I've, i think i can just sew this whole thing up um because as a new metal kid who came <laughs> in through that generation of music i got a lot of shit albums off the basis of one good song yeah i mean a lot yeah yeah i think i i didn't stick around for new metal quite as long as you but i think i probably um i probably did too i mean i bought candy ass by new order uh, by by new order by, uh, by <laughs> new order no, uh, new album candy ass <laughs> yeah um but well i mean that's how everyone knows orgy from and it just they covered new order um <laughs> yeah i mean i bought candy ass by orgy off the strength of that cover of new of um new order's blue monday and that's a pretty bad record from the new metal era. Um, yeah. Although I, mean, I, I could, I could doubt. Sorry, go on. I don't think it's the worst one. Probably not. No, I mean, definitely I mean, not. I, Jesus, I had, I had the Union Underground records off the back of Turn Me On, Mr. Deadman. I had the El Nino album off the back of God Save Us. I had the Drowning Pool album off the back of Bodies. I mean, that Drowning Pool album was not good. Um, I had the Soil album off yeah, the basis of Halo. Uh, you know, the, the pinnacle of grunge, wasn't it? The, the That's not my argument, Steve. That's not my argument. Um, yeah, I had the Soil album off the basis of Halo, which is one of the all-time great metal one-hit wonders. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, and I'm mate, sure yeah. there's people right. shouting at the screen going, no, they did that cover of Wild Black Betty, but I don't Yeah, care. they ended with that. I saw them supporting Static X and they ended with Wild Black Betty. And I was like, mate, you got one song, play your song, and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one wants to hear. Bless soil. Anything else. Bless soil. Yeah, uh, so that was a thing. Um, what else did I have? 
I'm sure I had even more than that. I think I might have had the Edema album off the basis oh. of um, The Way You Like It, which is a great song. I had the Huberstank album off the basis of Crawling in the Dark, which is a great song. Rest of the album, not so much. I'll tell you who didn't let me down. Spine Shank. I got the higher callousness off the, ba- off the back of New Disease, and that's a fucking good album. Oh, and well, also... is it? I mean, I was just about to say good that. good Actually, the uh, Strictly Diesel by Spine Shank... Um, has got that cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps by the Beatles on it. And I don't think it was a lead single, but I love, that's one of my favourite Beatles songs. I love George George Harrison. He's my favourite Beatle. And I was like, oh, a metal version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I'm getting that. And oh, Mm. bad times. If you're a metal band, you should probably leave the Beatles alone, I reckon. Eleanor Rigby by Godhead. Definitely. Yeah. Let's not. Definitely. Yeah. Let Ozzy just rip off John Lennon songs and leave it at that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the best thing to do. Um, um, I just, I just remembered another one though that that wasn't uh, that absolutely was not um, a disappointment. Uh, the War of Art by American Head Charge. I got that album off the back of Just So You Know, and that's a yeah. fucking great album. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, Shout um, out Loco by Cold. I mean, I don't think Loco is very good, but I think a lot of people bought Cold Chamber, Cold Chamber off the strength of Loco. Uh, I've always thought Loco is not that great a tune. I will swing for Fiend, though. That is an absolute banger. Yeah, Fiend's good. But Loco's better than anything else on that Cold Chamber record. That's a bad... Probably. Um, I mean, I'm one of the people, to be honest, that when Dez got Cold Chamber back together, I was a bit like, rather just see Devil Driver. Devil Driver have done at least a couple of albums that I would genuinely love, whereas Cold Chamber have not. Cold Chamber was such a big deal for such a very tiny, minuscule amount of time. If you'd have told me when they were massive that them coming back would have, they would have been below like a not even properly reformed Caius at download, which they were, I probably would have found that quite funny. Yeah. I would have been glad as well. Um, yeah, not a good band, Cold Chamber, not a good band. Um, I actually, I think there's a couple that I bought on single um, from bands who I used to like, who I now hate. Not that metal, but American Idiot by Green Day is woeful. Um, but I like the song American I, Idiot. I think that's a great album. Well, I do, honestly. I know that's generally accepted as the album where Green Day disappeared from our world and never came back. But I think American Idiot is a really great record. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to acknowledge the point. Yeah, unfortunately it's not, but um, that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, the other one, by the way, I remember getting by the single, by the way, by the Red Hot Chili Peppers and being like, oh yeah, yeah, this is all right. And again, it's, it's not aged very well. That record is diabolical. I don't mind Can't Stop. Um, Zephyr's song is one of the worst songs ever written. Oh, appalling. Absolutely appalling. So awful. I remember that used to be doing the rounds on music TV and it was one of the few at that time. Because, you know, I was like, uh, what was I, 17 when that came out? Is that right? 2003, wasn't it? 2002? 2002. So, yeah, I would have been about, um, I don't know, teenager. And I was at that age where I just liked watching music channels. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just liked everything that was on there. It was just, I just wanted to consume it all. And Zephyr's song was like, a flat no every time yeah there's a i mean there was a real period for those massive massive rock bands to release one good song and then really let you down i mean again one by one by the foo fighters all yeah, my i can't even tell you what album that's off now 
well, um, all my life is off one by one. Oh, right, that's it. Yeah, sorry, all I was thinking the song was called One by One. Cause yeah, there. All My Life's Great, and then that album is bum. But then, you know, we're talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Green Day and Foo Fighters, which it goes without saying those bands, are they're bad, but they're bad bands, are bad. So, you know, particularly this millennium, those bands are bad. Uh, so, shouldn't really be that surprised. Really. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and I do think for a more metal one this might be a little bit controversial um, the last Lamb of God album Strum and Drang um, Still Echoes came out I thought oh my god this is absolutely fucking incredible mm. and I don't think I think the rest of the album is probably the weakest Lamb of God album still pretty good yeah. I think most bands would like to put that record out but for Lamb of God standards, I think it's it's not really up to it. But that song yeah. is great. It, it, I don't think many... Um, does Stern Drang have the song with Chino on it? Because I thought yeah. that was a really great song. Embers. Yeah, I love that song. Because the way Chino's vocals came in was so unexpected. And it was so like, oh, I like that track. But apart from... Generally speaking, if I'm going to go listen to a whole Lamb of God album, that would not be the first one I I reach for, for sure. Yeah. Um, Scott Situmpel asks, what role does religion play in metal? Um, probably not as much as it used to in yeah. terms of being a primary antagonist of the genre yeah I think we live in a slightly well I mean certainly in the UK we 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 barely live in a Christian country anymore really do we I don't think many people it's not like it used to be where everybody you just would assume that the whole family goes to church don't really think that's a thing anymore I know some people definitely do, and that's fine. My mum was very religious, so I'm not cussing out anyone's religion at all if they get any sort of, um, you know, inspiration or enjoyment from that. But it did used to be quite a sort of a, uh, I guess, quite an oppressive thing to a lot of people who who questioned it. And I think, in, in, particularly in the sort of 70s and 80s. And, st- and still is, you know. And still yeah. is in certain, you know, in, in England and America, maybe not so much. But, yeah. you know, even even in America now, you know, we should say there's these kind of these abortion bills going through that are still very strongly driven by so-called religious beliefs. Um, and obviously that's slightly, you know, you can make a very strong argument that that's religion being kind of misused there rather than being used in the way that a lot of people would rather it was but um maybe it is still more of a present threat to people as an organized force for oppression than maybe we realize yeah and certainly in in other parts of the world definitely um yeah absolutely there are, there are you know there are uh, consequences to questioning people's religious beliefs or questioning the kind of the, the religious state and stuff and it's still obviously you know I'm, I'm not kind of downplaying it I just think that you know when I was a kid and Marilyn Manson ripped up a bible mm. on stage that felt like a really dangerous controversial thing to do I don't know that in Britain it would feel as dangerous and as controversial well no because it's been firstly because it's been done yeah. You know, once something's done, it's done. But yeah, also just because the, the dynamic isn't quite the same. But when we talked about this yesterday, you made a really interesting point about how actually a lot of metal has actually become very heavily influenced by the iconography of religion. Yeah, I think that that would be probably the main thing that really sort of sticks, that's kind of stuck around, is that religious iconography itself is clearly very prevalent still today in all 
sort of aspects of our society and metal's objection to that and kind of counterpoint to that and the way that that metal looks its aesthetic is very much set up as a anti-counterpoint to religious iconography so i think without the way that you know with if that iconography went away metal would kind of have to look different and i think it's cool i think it's cool that you know upside down crosses and pentagrams and all those kind of things that we really associate with the lore and the look and the feel of heavy metal are basically have been created in kind of um opposition to sort of religious iconography so i think without that existing in the first place metal would probably aesthetically look very different and let's be honest that would suck because metal and the way that we make things look it all looks really fucking cool doesn't it yeah definitely definitely so cheers religion (laughs) (laughs) we can all agree thanks to that you've been a universal force for good next (laughs) no it's true though it's absolutely true um it's a fascinating the slayer logo logo would look different without religion right the slayer logo yeah the sort of like do you know it looks the pentagram with like all that with all the fire and stuff. Right, that that, that, that stuff. Right, yeah, I see what you mean. All that kind of fire and brimstone hellish stuff. So yeah, I've just got. We'll have we'll have that. Yeah, we'll have that. Like Christians going, look how bad it looks. Slayer, like, no, nah, it looks good. Yeah, Actually, definitely. Cheers. It looks cool. It looks cool. <laughs> um, uh, we've kind of covered this a bit, I guess, but Jeremy Saffer uh, asks, how do you think the coronavirus situation is going to affect the music industry world long term? Uh, also, it would be awesome if you can list some ways fans can help out their favourite bands, magazines, yeah. venues, etc. Well, I mean, in terms of bands, um, if you have ever thought about buying merchandise, now is the time to do it because if bands lose out on tours and festival bookings, it's not just getting paid for the gigs. Very often, getting paid for the gigs is actually not what makes the money. Um, it's actually the merch sales. So um, whether you are watching a band's gig they're putting on via streaming now or you just or it's a band that you know have lost out on at all or it's a band you just like and you haven't actually bought any merch from before if you're able to and you can you can afford to spend the money absolutely go out and buy the shit out of some merchandise t-shirts go to their band camps and try and buy it from as directly from the source as you can um that's really vitally important and maybe if you have tickets for gigs that could potentially be rescheduled don't try and get refunds on those yet just hold out a bit see what happens there um in terms of uh magazines obviously we really appreciate your support more now than ever so please do pick up a metal hammer if you're thinking about doing it in when you're out in the shops and you see one there go to tinyurl.com slash buy hammer to buy an issue online or go to the same address but slash hammer subs to subscribe to us digitally you don't even have to like do anything or pick up anything um in terms of venues and stuff that's a that's a harder one i know some venues uh i know that um saint vitus which is a fantastic metal bar in in brooklyn um are are putting on some cool podcast interviews with artists that um they sometimes have play there Uh, i think they might have something you can donate to as well so you can go check that out um otherwise in terms of venues i'll just say go and like and keep following all the relevant Facebook pages and websites of these venues. Cause I'm sure they'll be the first to tell you the best way to support them individually. Cause everyone's handling things a bit differently at the moment. Yeah. You've had something up. <laughs> yeah. You've covered it. You've, you've given me absolutely no room to, to help the situation whatsoever by covering literally everything. So <laughs> I appreciate that. You've just gone. Well, you can, 
you can answer the rest of the question then how do you think the coronavirus situation is going to affect the music world long term well i don't know how it's going to affect the world long term i think you know we're it, it, it's absolutely unlike anything any of us could ever have really ever conceived of i think so it's yeah. very difficult to, to know how it's going to affect the world i mean when we all come out of this and um and stuff starts happening again i mean i i think it it would be very uh it's a very bleak thought to think that people won't want to start going or people won't be able to go to gigs again or that gigs won't happen and you know the live whether it be sporting or theater or art galleries or whatever it seems like a unthinkable and very depressing thought that those things just those industries just don't won't exist anymore and i can't believe that that they won't, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure. They absolutely will. I mean, I think hopefully a weird bounce back of this is if we can all just get through this thing together for these next few months of how long it takes. Come autumn, we're going to have a fucking good time. (laughs) I think people are going to, I think people are going to be absolutely desperate to go out and have kind of real human contact again. And I hope, I hope more than ever um, people realise how they, 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 you just stop taking that kind of stuff for granted because it's really, really easy. Like you and I lived in the um, you know media scum London bubble for a long time, and yep. I think both of us have had private conversations before. Where we've gone, no, I don't really feel like going out tonight. And my God, like the idea of going to see a band at the Black Heart tonight just feels yeah. like you gave me the option to do that now. I'd be like, oh my God, yes. I, I've never so badly. What I want to say, this isn't for the, for the Black Heart specifically, but I've never so badly wanted to be in a kind of dingy London venue somewhere, sipping pints that are probably going to give me a brutal hangover in the morning, watching yeah. some nameless band just smashing the shit out of a tiny stage. Like I just, it's it's the kind of stuff that uh, we all live for, and um, I'm not even going to say hopefully that that stuff will come back and it will, yeah, be it okay will. and we will work this out yeah and um, we just have to do a lot of shit in the meantime to get through it and i think as well it it <laughs> because of the kind of precarious nature of everything now i mean um my own personal situation without wanting to go too deep into my own personal situation i've basically shaved off about um over over three quarters of my monthly outgoings due to the, my job situation by moving back to the country because the rent I was paying in London, the outgoings I was paying, the travel, the prices of things, I just think were kind of ridiculous and unsustainable. So I hope that when we do go back to whatever life starts to look like, you know, the days of sort of three, you know, 350 pounds gig tickets and booking fees and getting charged money for printing out your own tickets and all that kind of rip off shit that there was in the music industry. I hope that shit gets reevaluated and I hope people go, do you know what? Actually I don't have money to spend on shit like that, which I shouldn't be spending it on. And I hope that stuff doesn't come back. And I hope people who work in venues and promoters and stuff, I hope they realize that that stuff is, you know, it is a ripoff. Like I hope that we can have a, a much more easily sustainable um, world, basically, because I know a lot of people resent the price of gig tickets. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I kind of understand why it costs so much to go and see Metallica because 
no one buys their records anymore. No one buys Aerosmith records in physical form anymore. That's why you're paying 300 quid to go and watch Bon Jovi or whatever. But um, there's got to be a way in the modern era for people to get to gigs if they just don't have the money. And, you know, the inflating price of gigs is... is and, and not just gig tickets. If, if, you know, it's one thing to have to spend like 80 quid for a gig... Uh, massive music venue it's another thing to have to spend 80 quid and then pay seven pound for a pint yep yeah for sure I mean, these down. are the things which i'm sure there's a reasoning behind it all but it, it's mind-boggling to me but yes hopefully we can make some progress in that sense mm-hmm. uh mark baker says what has been your soundtrack to the impending apocalypse what have you been listening to steve um i've been listening to the albums that we spoke about this week i've also been listening to uh well, that new Trivian album I've been listening to a lot um, obviously I spoke about Code Orange a few weeks ago I've still been smashing that um, In Rainbows by Radiohead I need I feel like I need a mixture of kind of Was that of, the one they um, was that the one they, they released in a bit of a weird way Yeah it said pay what you want yeah Yeah that was it I yeah feel, pay what you want Wow I feel like I'm kind of switching between kind of quite um, sort of minimalist <laughs> Uh, depressing music kind of quite quiet minimalistic depressing music and wanting to listen to something really sort of loud and uplifting as well so flipping between those two things I've listened to a lot of um, And You're a Nurse by Trailer Dead who are probably the best alternative rock band of this millennium Source Tags and Codes their album from 2002 is brilliant I listened to the proto emo band Sensefield's building album today with the sun was coming up and that was lovely human target there um, had a self-titled album out a couple of weeks ago which is great as well which is members of unsane and cop shoot cop and swans um and if you've ever thought like those are all bands that are quite hard work if ever you thought oh i'd like to listen to you know neurosis or jesus lizard or um throbbing gristle or suicide or something like that or swans but it feels like that's quite an undertaking to get into those bands. Um, that's like a kind of cool, bite-sized, more easily digestible version of those bands. It's really good. So I've been listening to that a lot. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. Lots of things. That's a, a nice, broad palette of stuff. Thanks, mate. What about you? <laughs> no worries. The, the dead, dead mouse, haven't you? Yeah, I have been listening to a lot of dead mouse. <laughs> I do, I've got to say, I do... Um, when I'm when I'm working at home specifically, I do like listening to quite kind of chilled out electronic music because it just focuses me and doesn't distract me, but kind of keeps me going. Um, so, I mean, if you happen to be into that kind of stuff, then I highly recommend the Lane 8 and Fortet albums from this year. They're both fantastic. Um, I really like I mean, more, absolutely. Yeah. I will get to some metal stuff in a minute, I promise. Yeah, Fortet, great. Yeah. So good. Um, or is, I think it's one guy. Uh, I love the Grimes album. If you like kind of the spirit of Poppy's eccentric eccentricity, but actually writing good tunes, um, that's kind of Grimes. No, I know you didn't, but that's that's okay. You don't have to. No, no, I was just wondering. I was just saying that, like you know, you told me to listen to it, and yeah, I didn't really. I I struggled with that, to be honest. I mean, it's I, I I think of it. You know, she's kind of a a weird pop star, but that album especially is basically a really cool ambient, but really like deceptively heavy um, electronic album. Uh, Yeah, I really like it. Steve didn't so much, so take that as you will. 
but more in the metal world, yeah, the, the albums we've been listening to this week. Um, I've been listening to that Iris album a lot since we knew we were going to talk about it. Uh, the Cavellatac album um, is fantastic. The best thing they've done since the debut by a country mile. So if you, for some reason you haven't listened to Split yet, go listen to it. Uh, the Leached album we talked about a few weeks ago is great. The Lloyd album's good. Um, been listening to the Aussie album far more than I thought I would have, which is great. Uh, yeah, loads of good shit. And to do the oh. wanky journalism thing, yes, the Trivium album is coming out and it is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really, really good. Really good. I also, I would give a shout out to people might like this. I don't know if people would like this here, but anyway, um, there's a, a band called Birthmarks and they've got an album called And Then The Rain Stopped and that's out on Friday as in probably the day this podcast comes out. And they're a British band. I think they're from like Essex or something. And they're just a really good rock band. Like if you just like kind of alternative rock, um, they're really good. But that's their debut album. It's very good. There you go. As well. A final recommendation from that man, Steve. Um, That is pretty much it for this week's show. Thank you again, as I say, for your patience in what is a very uh, testing time for everybody. Um, uh, I'll be back with Elle next week. Um, And yeah, it's just a strange, strange thing that we all find ourselves in. No one quite knows what the hell is going on. Uh, No one quite knows what's going to happen, but I do know that, um, you know, our scene is a strong one. It will definitely survive. We all get through this together. I think we just need to keep supporting each other, keep on supporting bands, um, keep on looking out for each other in, in times when we're all self-isolating and all the rest of it um, and just keep in touch and keep moving forward and, and some some way through the end of this we will be back to something approaching normality and uh, you know sooner rather than later we will all be back in a field again complaining about mud and watching metal bands <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> yeah we've spoken a lot haven't we we have we have we've been to, I mean I'm talking to I am I'm having actual voice conversations with more people on a regular basis now than i was outside of my colleagues um two weeks ago so it's weird isn't it Mm. it's weird and long may it continue cheers steve boy thanks Thanks, for coming in Uh, i'm sure given how easy this is to all set up now we'll be we'll be back in with each other soon don't need to book out any studios we are the studio so my world is a studio um whatever that means yeah good mate uh thanks for having me on anytime anytime okay. um, but probably not next week because i was back we will be back next week as i said i did all the plugs but uh good, do go pick up an issue of metal hammer if you're thinking about it as well we appreciate it um stay safe stay distant and stay metal goodbye everybody i'm doing this at the camera i don't know if we'll show this or not but thanks guys goodbye see ya We'll